Welcome to the Faith for All podcast. This week, we are presenting a Faith for All discussion podcast where random members of Cross of Glory discuss a topic we find interesting, spiritually uplifting, or generally important. Today's topic of discussion is Christianity and LGBTQIA persons. Let's join the discussion. Hello and welcome to another Faith for All podcast. Uh, we've got a very good group tonight, so uh, if we could start by introducing ourselves. Hi, I'm Dana O'Brien. I'm the pastor at Cross of Glory. Um, have been here for about eight years. Hello there, everybody. I'm Autumn. I am trans from queer, sapio, demi, and pan. I have been with the church um, pretty much as long as my parents have been coming, and I've been continuing on through different parts, assisting uh, with PowerPoint, music ministry, you can name it. I'll pass it off to my spouse, Nix. Hi, I'm Nix. Um, uh, yeah, um, I'm Autumn's spouse. Uh, the next person's my mom. <laughs> um, yeah. How do you identify? Oh, yeah. Um, I use they, them pronouns. I'm non-binary. My name is Michelle Eckmeyer, and um, I have been a member of this church and have been part of the church since the very beginning, on and off. And um, I've been on staff here at Cross of Glory in the past and um, presently run the PFLAG chapter of PFLAG um, Homer Glen Lockport. That is a uh, group that meets here at the church for to support the LGBTQ community, their families, and their friends. And I'm Katie Whittle. Um, I've been a member here since uh, 2002. I'm on the music team, and this is the second podcast that I've been involved with. All right, so let's just start real basic. Um, who wants to talk about their faith? Well, I'll, I'll start by saying that uh, I was raised Catholic, and I had pretty much stopped going to church for, you know, except for Easter and Christmas and a variety of other special occasions, and then started seeking out a church that I felt more comfortable with instead of the Catholic church for a variety of reasons. And um, I actually tried Parkview at one time, and I felt like I was not comfortable there. And then uh, met Lori Anderson one night at a music event and ended up coming to Cross of Glory. And honestly, I would have to say it was the music that first drew me in. One of the reasons that I have stayed through uh, a lot of thick and thin and also the great community that we have here. Hi, this is Michelle again. Um, I was... Uh, I was raised Catholic. Um, I went to Catholic grammar school and Catholic high school. When I met my husband, who was Lutheran, um, we started attending his church together. That is when I became Lutheran. We attended it in the place, in the community that we lived previously. Um, we attended uh, a more traditional type of Lutheran church. We started coming to Cross of Glory. We moved out south here. When it very first started out, the building wasn't even finished yet. We were in the um, other building, the, the white building on Cedar. Um, this, this church brought me to a level in my faith that I did not have before. Um, in, while I was practicing Catholic, 
my belief was that God was out there somewhere, and um, I did not have a relationship with God. So, and I didn't know how to bring that into my heart. So, um, Cross of Glory helped me to do that and helped me. The guiding principles of Cross of Glory are something that I um, really treasure because I believe in them. I usually like to write things down because otherwise I'm rather scatterbrained. But truthfully, my faith has been pretty shaky for a good number of years now. I've really stayed with the church truly because of the people that make up ours. I've known a majority of these people for a good deal of my life, if not all of it. And especially those who have stayed with our church after voting over 10 years ago to become a Reconciliation in Christ congregation, which is affirming of all LGBTQIA individuals, I decided to stick around. I've really had a good share of influential people in my life, but I'm really fortunate more so to know many of the people here is where I draw like that little bit of faith that I really still have kind of hanging on within me. Beyond our key flag meetings, having our D&D group here, I really can't forget about the music ministry either. Playing drums has been a huge source of music therapy, just as much as the laughs that we all share on those really early Sunday morning rehearsals. It's the individuals from our church who actually go forth and follow the good teachings of Jesus that I would really follow, not just the book, the church, or the religion. I'm much more influenced by living good role models than just that surround me in my current life than pretty much any historical figure. Looking deeply into really anything, one can find meaning, but this is just where I happen to like to keep mine. Hi, I'm Nix. Um, I was uh, raised Christian. Um, actually, we first started attending this church a long time ago. Uh, then we moved away to um, to a different town, uh, a couple towns over. Um, and then we attended a different church, which uh, made me lose my faith entirely. Yeah, no, that was, uh, don't ever want to do that again. To be honest, I never thought I'd step back into church ever again. Um, so if it wasn't for Autumn, I wouldn't. I don't really attend Sunday services. Like, I play D&D uh, at the church, and I attend PFLAG um, on the last Tuesday of the month. And those have been pretty good, but I, I really don't. Like, I've been to a couple of services to hear autumn play but i i don't or play drums because she's the drummer in the worship band but I, I that's about as far as i'm i feel comfortable at this moment we're, we're looking for our, our just our generic faith or faith in the context of this topic that we're discussing well, faith in the context that we're discussing <laughs> okay but, good that's right I let everyone take the question <laughs> yeah okay well because otherwise we could be here all night before addressing the topic <laughs> could we not <laughs> Okay, so my faith in the context of the topic we're discussing, I grew up in Missouri Synod, um, and so for me, the answer to welcoming our LGBTQIA plus folks was really clear. Um, you know, no. <laughs> the answer was no. It was that simple because, because it, was, it was a sin, and that's the way I grew up, and, and uh, it, I believed that for a long time until I actually started looking and learning about God and finding out that, that God is so much bigger than we ever would have thought. And, and the, the characteristics of God are not judgment and, and fear and, and picky things. The characteristics of God are, are love and, and 
um, sacrifice and commitment and trust and faithfulness and all the things that um, encourage one to really change one's mind um, and take a journey that I never thought I would be on. When I came to, so somewhere along the line, I inadvertently switched from Missouri Synod to, to uh, Evangelical ELCA, which was really, turned out to be really important later on because when I decided to go to seminary, I wouldn't have been able to be a pastor had I been in the Missouri Synod Church. So um, when, I, when I was searching for a place, well, looking for a new call, the, the information about Cross of Glory came up. One piece of information was more important than I think any other, and that was that in 2012, this congregation, as, as Autumn said, became a Reconciling in Christ congregation. And it did that at a time when it did not have a called pastor. And the called pastor, you know, just switched calls in the middle of the church's discussion of this very, very controversial topic. It, it's surprising that it was controversial in this context, but it was. And so um, I was extremely impressed by the fact that, that this congregation went ahead at a really dicey time without a leader, in a situation where they knew that they were going to lose some people who were some big givers, but they decided, uh, this, this group of people, and, and some of them are sitting right here, this group of people decided that um, God was really calling them to make this decision. And it was, it was the right decision then, and it remains the right decision now. Um, and so, so let's talk about why it remains the right decision for us. I guess I should share a little bit about my journey on this, too. I also was raised in Missouri Senate. And I went to a Dutch Reformed college, which is even further to the right of Missouri Synod. And I, I really never thought about the whole LGBT issue. It just wasn't something that was on my radar at all. And then when the church decided to become a, reform, a reforming congregation, RIC congregation, thank you, uh, an RIC church, I started really thinking about it and praying about it. And I wasn't Sure, because I didn't know really any LGBT people at the time. And I was like, well, okay, God, what what am I supposed to do here? And at the time, I was a probation officer, and uh, I never had a open LGBT person, LGBT person on my caseload ever. And after I told that to God, I got one the very next day. And then the next week, I got two. And then I got two more. And I wound up with several LGBT people on my caseload. And as a probation officer, you get to know people. And that's what it took. I got to know these people. And I realized that I was wrong. I was completely wrong. Once I got to know the people, once I got to know people, that they were people. They were no different. They deserved the same rights, the same everything as everybody else. They deserved to be in the church. They deserved to be represented in the church. They just, you know... There should be no restrictions, and but it was it was a journey for me. It wasn't like something that happened right away. You know, I'm completely changed now. I guess from how I was back in you know college and growing up. So why? I guess the next question would be, why is it important that the church is the way it is? Well, honestly, I I couldn't go to a church that was not welcoming. And I feel like the process we went through, to me, was so affirming because it involved the whole church, and we met in small groups, we uh, had Bible study together, and it, it was 
a journey for everyone, and it's probably what I'm most proud of in the in the church how we came to that. And one of the things that we talked about in terms of how important it is is because the church has pushed away people who identify as LGBTQI, et cetera, et cetera, and like made a specific attempt to push these people away and to call this a sin. And so to me, the important thing was to pull people in who are in so need of hearing God's message and hearing God's message of love. And I think it's been very affirmed by the response that we get by marching in the gay, gay pride parade because it is amazing to see the people who are so positively impacted by this huge group of churches all over the Chicago area who feel that it's important to be there and say, I don't know what you've heard about God before, but we're here to tell you that ain't so, that God loves you. And you get this amazing response from people that comes from their heart. I personally think that it's super important, especially in an election year, that we address this because um, my, these are, I'm just speaking from my own feelings, um, that uh, we, yes, we were Lutheran, but when we moved, we went to an uh, extremely conservative church and non-denominational. Uh, I was looking at it as going deeper with my faith, and actually um, it, it took me on a journey on a completely different way because what they were teaching and what I was also on staff there, what they were teaching um, and behind the doors when other parishioners weren't around was not any, you know, they, they proclaimed that all are welcome, all are welcome. And, but that is nothing farther from the truth in the way they kind of did a bait and switch. All are welcome, but unfortunately, a lot of being the president of the chapter for of PFLAG, I hear many people um, talk about um, the hurt that, that the church has um, brought to them. But I also, um, I have also been very inquisitive about why churches, certain churches, certain conservative churches would teach such things. And I do know that what they do teach um, comes from their own, what they were taught and what, you know, what they were taught and their parents were taught and then the grandparents were taught. And so I saw a lot of contradiction in what they were saying and what they said behind closed doors. That is one of the reasons, even though we didn't move, we returned to Cross of Glory because um, we really wanted, I, my husband and I wanted to come back to what we truly believed in and saw it being acted out behind closed doors, in front of closed doors. The people at Cross of Glory are very real. You know, they they mean what they say when they say that people are truly welcome here. And it says that in our, um, in our welcome statement, it says it. And it, and it is actually just, you know, in real behaviors, 
shown. And I also am so pleasantly, just so uh, um, the RIC church has been mentioned a few times. And I just want to say that Reconciling in Christ, for me, being a part of that organization is trying to help heal the wounds of that are brought against brought to the lgbtq community from other churches um i see that a lot and it makes i'm very proud to be part of that and part of um trying to act out what i truly believe jesus was trying to show us all about love so so maybe maybe i should at least explain a bit about um where we come from in the elca so we've got a grounding in because you asked about you know other churches who teach and where do they get it from and they taught what they were learned they learned in the elca the our position on on, on welcoming uh, el uh, lbgtqia folk um, stems from a 2009 decision in uh, uh, by the the leadership of the the congregation and and it's not it's it's kind of an interesting position because after all these churches in the ELCA studied this issue for 15, 20 years. I mean, this came up over and over again. What the, what the governing body decided, what the, the large assembly decided, was that we couldn't agree. Um, they, they, everybody couldn't agree on how these biblical, interpret, you know, these biblical verses were to be interpreted and how God was calling them to act. And so what they agreed to do was to disagree. And so that each synod and each congregation gets to decide where it stands on this issue. And so um, it, didn't, it didn't completely hold the denomination together. Some people left. And as you, many of you know, probably the Methodist Church is going through a huge schism right now and the Presbyterian Church. I mean, lots of churches' denominations have done it. But it worked pretty well. And so not all churches in the ELCA are reconciling in Christ. Some are not. Some welcome, but they don't formally adopt the RAC views and the, the welcome statement like we have. The idea was, and, and, the, and the key that holds us together, even though we disagree on this issue, and it's a really important issue, um, but the, the thing that holds us together is, is, is our identity as baptized children of God. And the fact that there's a phrase, bearing one another's burdens, which is, which is how we have to uh, respond to each other. But the real key is the trust that you have among congregations and individuals and the humility to recognize that you know you don't know everything and you may not be right and when you approach people in love and humility it works so in the ELCA um, we understand when we interpret the Bible that not all not every verse in the Bible is to be taken with the same amount of weight there are some themes that are more central than others one of those themes is the two great commandments love God love your neighbor um, another huge theme is God's redemptive purpose throughout, you know, throughout creation and, and the world and the idea of love that goes behind that. Another huge theme is the theology of the cross. God appears in the weak and the vulnerable. So there are verses in the Bible, a couple in the Old Testament, a couple in the New Testament, that can be interpreted in various ways. And, you know, we've got all sorts of studies. And if you, if you look at different English translations, they will interpret the same Greek words in different ways. Okay, and there are some people that interpret these words in a fashion that condemns all 
monogamous, long-term, loving, same-sex relationships. Personally, I don't think that's clear. And as, a, as an ELCA pastor, I don't know that even if it were clear, it would matter all that much to me because it's not a major theme in the Bible. We're talking six verses. You know, but what is a major theme? Love your neighbor, right? What is, an, what is another major theme? You know, love God, love, love each other. Um, God's care, the, the fact that people are created in God's image, the fact that we're to love and, and trust trust others, the fact that we're to build each other up and encourage each other. Those, the, you know, those are major themes. Um, and, and so, in my mind, and again, this was a journey. It didn't happen overnight. We have a, we have a God that welcomes all of us. And I can, and I've had to do this before, and I'll have to do it again. Um, I have to stand up and I have to say, I am so sorry to all my LGBTQIA folk that, that there are people in the church who have hurt you because, because it is people who have hurt you and it is not of God and it is not the God we know. It is certainly not the God I know. And I can't imagine how difficult that would be. I mean, I've been excluded for various reasons, being a woman, whatever, but not like that. Um, and so I can, I can only say that, um, that the God of love that I know um, created you uniquely with gifts and skills and passions and with a purpose that only you can fulfill, that, that can't be fulfilled by anybody else. And we here at Cross of Glory, in the short time I've been here, have so benefited by the LGBTQ folk among us and the parents and the relatives of people. Um, and have really benefited, I think, from the courage and the bravery shown by, by you guys as you have to live in a world that is so much harder than it is for me. So I know I will continue to apologize, and, and I should, because I represent a church that can at times be really, I can't say a swear word or we'll get cut, but can be really nasty and awful. And, but, but that's the church. That's not, that's not God. All right, I'm done. Thank you, um, Dana, for, I'm, I know so many people that need to hear that um, and need to hear that the interpretation of the Bible is put through different lenses. And um, some people use verses and unfortunately use the Bible and, and verses to hurt other people. I do know that that's one of the great things that I was able to see because in my heart, I knew that, wait a minute, the God that I believe in is one of love and care. And the God that I was hearing about was not the God that I came to. I had to do a real uh, search into my own path of faith to get to the point where I realized that God was one of a loving and caring God. Um, that is not what I was taught. And um, many people who believe what they believe and follow and use biblical words against other people may have been taught that, like I had mentioned earlier, but um, for me, it just didn't seem right because I, I personally have experienced the love of God 
and I have experienced being taught to to love God because out of love or out of fear. And today I choose not to be motivated by the fear that that I'm going to be punished or or any of that. I think that like you said Dana there's a lot more love in it than there is the the verses and I'm not trying to take away those are verses that were written but how they are interpreted and how they came to be um I've done some studying on those clobber verses in the context and that you know homosexuality that word wasn't even in the bible until I think it was 1940s or something I I'm not great on details like that but yeah it, it's just kind of where we all personally get to challenge some of the things that we were taught. Other times people are too afraid to do that. So that's my two cents on. I could definitely uh, branch off of that. Um, challenging things in life has always just kind of seemed just to be my way in life. Um, sometimes purposefully, sometimes eh, I'll be a little bit confused or not exactly sure, but I just like to know the inner workings of things and, like you were touching on with the uh, clobber verses, I know exactly which one you were talking about, and I had to pull that up here, the uh, post that I had found online about that earlier, where it says that the word homosexuality was not added to the Bible until 1946. It replaces a word that, I'll be honest, I cannot even pronounce, which actually does directly translate to child molester, not homosexual. So that really means that homophobia itself is man-made it does not have anything to do with God. The way that Leviticus 18.22 is truly written is, man shall not lie with young boys as he does with a woman, for it is an abomination. And I'm sure every one of us here can easily hands down say that. Whereas people that are queer really get a bad rap because of this purposeful mistranslation and perversion of the biblical texts. And oddly enough, to branch off on a personal note about that, like, I don't remember too, too much about my childhood. I got kind of a spotty memory. But interestingly enough, my two first friends that I have really ever met and made an impact in my life, um, one was my best and closest friend of mine for well over a dozen years, and the other is now my spouse. We had, all three of us, I think, had met probably in kindergarten or first grade. I definitely knew I knew Nick's uh, here within the church before they moved away for a while. During that time, uh, my best friend years later in college actually turned on me and used that exact line from the Bible against me and said some really nasty things. And ironically enough, I, I felt bad for him and I extended grace because I knew he was deeply struggling with his own homosexuality and just accepting in that and knowing that it's a-okay just to be who you are and never came around that was the last i ever heard from him i had to block him but then nick showed up back in my life after i actually surprisingly enough started praying on that as well odd how it turns around the church has really brought some some of the best things in my life to light as well as it's i've seen firsthand the dark streaks that it really causes throughout history and today to expound on that, the whole Leviticus thing kind of cracks me up anyway. Because this shirt that I'm wearing right now is against Levitical law. <laughs> a bacon cheeseburger is against 
four or five Levitical laws. So I don't know why we choose to enforce some but not others. All this, all this stuff is actually much more complicated than than the shirt that mixes two kinds of cloth and stuff. I mean, the you know, I I think we many of us have probably seen the the segment on um, oh shoot, what's that TV show? The old Martin Sheen one where he castigates oh. a reporter oh, yeah. with the pigskin football and Less whether his pigskin. knee should be, you know, thrown out of the community or whatever. Um, but, I mean, you know, you got to go back to the Hebrew if you're in the Old Testament. You've got to go back to the Greek if you're in the New Testament. You're, you're um, analyzing words, you know, that sometimes are used only by Paul in that one, in that one verse. Um, so it's really, I mean, it's really difficult. And, and I... And, and yes, there are people who throw them in your face without knowing anything about them, and that's just wrong. But there are also people of faith who are really trying to figure out what they mean and, and can come to a zillion conclusions on a, on a continuum. It's just really hard, um, which is why I'll go back to the fact that, that you know, there are some, some themes that are more important than others. And this is not one of those themes. I mean, if... If you know, if I had to, if I had to really focus on on all this kind of stuff, I mean, I'm saying biblical themes. Oh. Um, if I, I mean, you know, what would I? I'm a divorced person. I mean, if I had to, you know, if I had to take, you know, the words in the New Testament on divorce personally, I'd be in real trouble. You know, so would most of the many of the people in our congregations. But you know, again, it's not. There are there are other themes like you know, loving God and loving neighbor. And the theology of the cross and sacrificial love; those things are are, are more important, and and that's how that's how we orient our lives because that's how Jesus lived. I think, um, you know, when you have all these biblical scholars who can't agree, to me, that's a very powerful statement. <laughs> you know, I mean, people who I've always I have read the Bible, but I certainly have not read all of it. I feel like, gosh, there's these people who have devoted their life to studying the Bible, and they can't find agreement on it. And it, it makes, you know, there are so many things that the church or a church have done that really have nothing to do with the Bible anyway. And I think it's more the culture of the times. I mean, just like the role of women in the church, for example, you know, it's, you, you just, uh, a lot of this stuff just comes out of history, I think, and the way cultures were for centuries, and and we have evolved past that now. Um, and and the church, I think, is crawling. The church, some churches, I mean, even uh, the Catholic Church has agreed that you can do a blessing for same-sex couples, which you know, to me, that's huge. That is that's a huge change in uh, a doctrinal type of decision. So, yeah, you know, if, if the experts can't agree, obviously that, that tells you something. I want to thank you, Jeff, for having this kind of uh, conversation because I think it's important when you're not in the community, you don't see what they go through. We hear because um, I know <laughs> there are I have heard younger kids talk about this is the gay church and because we flat, uh, fly a flag, a uh, pride flag all the time. And one of those things that I, I think that is really important is I have received feedback about those that flag and about how when they go to school, they 
that flag helps them to go, okay, like there's a place for me. And it gives them comfort um, to know that there is a place um, that has historically been hurtful, that that's not what we represent. Um, I also know that um, a lot of times what I hear is, well, it's a lot better than it used to be. And it is in some ways, but also in other ways, it's not. And, you know, we here at Cross of Glory have, we have had discrimination. We have had uh, vandalism on our signs and on our building and pride flags ripped down. And yes, it may be teenagers, but it's also, it's a, something that the community experiences um, and whether it's gotten better or not, it's still painful for people. And I think that we just need to, instead of telling other people how they should or shouldn't feel, that they just, that we listen to each other and listen to that pain and, and do things as Christians. I feel like it's what I have taken from the Bible is to look at the actual actions of Jesus. If you if you take all that other stuff away, because a lot of that stuff is hard for me to understand anyway, but if you take all that stuff away and just look at the way that Jesus treated people and how Jesus did not like the way that the church was treating people, that's why there were tables flipped. And so I just, my heart goes to, and that's with any religion, um, the main common denominator is love even if it's not christianity even if it's love and and but especially with christianity we have examples of how to treat people when we look at the way that jesus did so the the and you're right we have had some vandalism and i i you know the people who took our flags i view it as them borrowing them because they needed them more than we did so (laughs) and so but but every time you know every time something happened more people stepped up and we had people mail yes. us flags, and we had all sorts of support. And, right. um, and you know, it just, when something like that happens, you're exactly right, that somebody's got to stand up because our LGBTQIA folks feel, I would guess, feel that all the time. I don't, you know, I can walk yeah. away and ignore it. But I can't. You can't. So, so you got to get another pride flag, and you got to put that up, and you got to yes. wash off the, 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 the stuff on your wall, and you got to, you got to go out harder and put your fix your love sign and put that back up and and you know do what you need to do because because somebody's got to stand up and it unfortunately well unfortunately for people who are trying to mess you up it actually um, makes you stand firmer in yes. your resolve to um, to to be who God calls you to be and that's exactly who this is this is God calling us to be this this, this place. This is, this, is, this is our calling. And I think uh, visibility is a huge issue because I think really culturally the tide started to turn in people's attitudes towards gay people when they became more visible. And when, when they started the National Coming Out Day and it wasn't a stranger out there that you were condemning, you were finding out, well, no, it's a sibling, it's a friend, it's a coworker, it's someone I love, it's someone I respect. And I think that our church being visible in the community is is huge. And I, uh, I really feel like we're adding something to this community that is not easy to see visibly very often. Coming with visibility, I mean, like, like we were talking, it definitely has its costs and definitely being 
I guess one could say one of the younger queers out there. I really do just wear my heart on my sleeve and my identity. I never shy away these days of who I am. And if people ask me, I always give them the truth. But again, it does really come with a cost. My personal home uh, has been vandalized ever since transitioning. The majority of my neighbors that used to kindly say hello and maybe do a little bit of chit chat have stopped talking to me all except for one. Um, when we decorated the pride pumpkins in our PFLY meeting for Halloween, that was stolen within an hour. I've had uh, my own graffiti and profound symbols drawn on my driveway that I had to get a pressure washer to remove. This is just the stuff that we deal with, but we just keep on marching through. I've been wrongfully fired from at least two of my jobs. Uh, looking back, what I thought was casual joking turned out to be just rampant harassment at my other job. And where I'm at now, just like we said, like we have to put our foot down and stand up for ourselves in the kindest and most polite way possible, which at times is definitely not easy. But it's it's what keeps us around. It's History historically has tried to erase minorities and especially people within the LGBTQ. I um, just under that entire umbrella and for years we've had to deal with at the minimum harassment and at others genocide. It's silently that's happening all around the world right now. Not enough people are really talking about it and it it breaks your heart. Just trying to figure out where you want to go in this world is tough enough already, but when it feels like most of the world's out to get you, you don't have too many people to really turn to. And albeit, again, I'll say I'm kind of shocked enough to see that a church of all groups actually really stands out triumphantly in this area, bold enough to fly something like a pride flag and put up a big love is love sign and getting that fixed every single time it gets vandalized just because that's who we are. We, we refuse to be beaten down. Um, this podcast has been on my list since we started the podcast. I, we didn't get to it till now for this reason and that reason, but I wanted to make sure that we got to it now because I thought that this was important. And like I said earlier, I think that this is important, that this is something that we probably need to come back to. I feel terrible that people that I care about, because I consider you two my friends. I consider everyone in this room my friends. But you two, you know, being with the d and I, I really do especially consider you friends. And I feel absolutely horrible the thing that this stuff has happened to you in the past and continues to happen. And it's just, it's it's not right. Thanks for saying all that. It really does mean a lot. More so that the uh, last, I guess, of any of my friends that I really can deem as religious individuals are the only ones that still remain in my life are part of this church. Every other single one has turned their back on me. And that's a failing of the church. Mm-hmm. And their own personal morality, too. And it's so so hard to dis- it's so hard to distinguish. I mean, we have a women's retreat coming up on what if you're the only, you know, what if you're the only Bible a person reads or something like that. You know, the importance of of acting like Jesus. And it's so hard. I mean, naturally, if if somebody tells you they're a Christian and they treat you like dirt, you're going to assume that that they're doing that because they reflect God, right? But it's not. It is. I mean, and so we've 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 so screwed things up in so many ways. Not just not in, in just in this. But, but I mean, certainly in this area. 
Yeah, I think there's actually a recording of one of the songs that we play for church where the person in the band says some of the greatest sins have been committed by Christians, and that is what is pushing people away from the church and pushing people away from Christianity is is Christians not acting like Christians. Like Jesus. Like if, Jesus, if, if, yes. If, unfortunately, Christians... Maybe maybe being a Christian doesn't necessarily mean you do act like Jesus, but if yeah. we could start acting like Jesus, that would be really really a key thing, wouldn't it? Yeah. Nice. Would it, well, it would also be very challenging because mm-hmm. Jesus acts way different. As yes. you know, that dying for your enemies thing, that's kind of important. Yeah. <laughs> the way I kind of look at it, um, I'm much more happy to follow Jesus directly because of of his views of the world and the people within it. And honestly, that's, in my terms, kind of punk. I mean... <laughs> Jesus is punk! <laughs> it truly was. I mean, like, he wasn't white. He was under colonization by Rome. He was killed by the church and the state. Friend of sinners and outcasts, liberated the oppressed. Was also homeless and a refugee. I have more in common with this individual than a lot of people in this world. Having been a good few of those on the list as well. Looking back to it, I mean, call it a miracle or sheer dumb luck, but where I was born, I was already demonized just because of my deformity that I was born with. And I was lucky that I was not like shunned by the church and done horrible things too in that. But if I had stayed there and attempted to grow up, I would not have survived. Because that country certainly did not like queer individuals. Still doesn't. So um, why don't we uh, go around and we'll do final thoughts. And then we'll end with a prayer. Oh, I'm first this time? Yes. Okay. It's, it's, just, it's just so important that, that our siblings, uh, who are different than us, in this case our LGBTQI plus siblings, understand that they are loved it's just so important and and you and it's so hard to see through the all the masks and the mist and the the name calling that the church has thrown at them but that's not who god is and and i know i don't know that i could make that distinction but it is so crucial because you you can't realize how important you are to god if you can't if you can't sidestep those people who don't represent God, or at least don't represent the God of love that I know. So, um, so it's really important. It's really important for Christians to be out there and to speak up and to reflect Jesus in this area and in all areas because Jesus is so misrepresented in so many ways. Get out there and do it, people. Yeah, my final thoughts are that, in all honesty, like... It was really hard actually choosing to stick around in this world for a good few years, uh, just a couple of years back. And I could not fathom living anymore in my life as somebody that I was not. I deeply desired to live the rest of my life truthfully and authentically. And for me, that meant coming out and transitioning, despite knowing the challenging and deeply uncomfortable transition process would be on me mentally, emotionally, interpersonally, financially, socially, and more. But this church, Cross of Glory, is one of my very few safe spaces that I knew of at the time and still do. And it was also my very first public location that I felt 
comfortable and safe enough to come out. It's because of all the love that I've experienced from everyone here in our congregation. And I really can't go on without saying a very heartfelt thank you to our congregation for all this acceptance and love. Um, final thoughts I have is um, I'm just really grateful for, and, and I want people that are listening who aren't may, might not be members of Cross of Glory or people that even know about Cross of Glory, but there are churches out there that will love you, will celebrate you, will validate and affirm you, not just welcome you. And that because you are to be celebrated in the congregation and behind closed doors, you are to be celebrated. And um, I guess it just, uh, especially listening to Autumn tonight, it makes me realize that our work is to be visible and to not let people who are being negative or, or being destructive around you get by with it and to call out people for for what they're doing and to continue to try and live as a Christian and to to take Jesus as our model and and don't stop hoping that things will keep getting better. Okay, I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight. I hope that uh, everyone got out what they wanted to say, but we're going to come back to this topic. So if in the future you think of more that you want to talk about, let me know and we'll schedule another podcast for this topic. So I think this is a good place to end. If you could pray us out. Okay. So dear Lord, thank you for bringing us here today and for giving voice to the pain and love and hope that we have for the future. Be there as our support Keep us strong in this journey and uh, help hold us together as a community and to bear each other's burdens. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Several times during this podcast, the Cross of Glory Church was mentioned. I would like to read to you the welcome statement printed over the doors entering the worship space. We recognize the importance of worshiping with a diverse group of people of any color, age, creed, ethnicity, physical and mental abilities, addictions, legal record, economic status, station in life, life circumstances, marital family status, heterosexuals, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender people, their partners, and their families. We welcome all into full participation in the church life, ministry of the congregation, sacraments, and rites of the church. We are all one in God's eyes, and everyone has a place in the family of God. It is with love and in celebration that we affirm this position. There is no longer Jew nor Greek. There is no longer slave nor free. There is no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. Cross of Glory truly does welcome everyone. If you are in the LGBTQIA community, we want you to know you are welcome here just as you are. You are our beloved siblings in Christ and your gifts and active participation in church life can make our community closer to what God wants us to be. Faith for All would like to thank Michelle Eckmeyer, Nix Eckmeyer, Autumn Eckmeyer, Katie Whittle, Jeff Wanderson, and Pastor Dana O'Brien for their participation in Fantastic Insights. And as always, we are grateful to John Uzardo for making us sound good. Come back next week as we start Pastor Dana O'Brien's sermon series on the book of James. Faith for All was created by Cross of Glory Church. 
If you'd like more information on Cross of Glory, please visit our webpage at crossofglory.com where you can learn more about the church, see our upcoming events, and watch previous services and sermons. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Everyone, and we do mean everyone, is welcome to join us at 9.30 a.m. each Sunday morning for worship on our website, Facebook, YouTube, or in person at 14719 West 163rd Street, Homer Glen, Illinois. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends, family, and anyone else you can think of about it. Faith for All is available on Podbean, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, or wherever else you find podcasts. Todd Mazera created our original music. John Uzardo engineered the sound. Jeff Wanderson handled the production duties. And I'm your friend and humble announcer, Andrew Morin. Thank you for joining us.